This episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O health.com. And use code JSP for $50 off any stethoscope. Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You have been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how are you, man? I know, you know, hopefully people listen to our live and have listened to the last episode that we did, you know, where we talked about your eyeball, but how are things going? Uh, things are going, so I guess we'll go ahead and do an update. Because honestly, when you get a major injury like that, suddenly people become very interested in your health and welfare. So vision is actually, unfortunately for everybody, there's no sad tale. I am a eye rejuvenation rock star. Apparently, it is somewhere between the good type of kryptonite and titanium in my eyeball because I am healing extraordinarily well, except for a few minor setbacks, which, you know, that's here neither here nor there anymore. I've got through it. So I'm not completely without any issues, but I could not feel happier about my progress. And I am not normally a very optimistic person or known for like, you know, being jubile and stuff. But I'll tell you right now, I'm pretty happy with life and my situation. So I'm counting these blessings as I have. Well, who knew that Tom was part of starfish and could regenerate eyeballs. That's impressive. <laughs> Look, I, no one was more shocked than I, because uh, like I said, quick turnaround from you're preparing yourself mentally to lose your eyeball to now, you know, a month later, you're like, Oh, well, I, I can see pretty good. Like it's a weird, it's a weird turn of events, but I'm happy. So. Well, other than that, how are things going up there, man? We are busy. We, um, you know, just like everybody else, seeing the uptick in COVID cases and also the nice return to, I dare say, almost normalcy of, you know, fast pace. Lots of people need to be seen. The variety of injuries now. And, you know, I need this thing looked at from three years ago. And yeah. Again, I appreciate it and I'm happy. It's just I always feel like there's that looming sense of, you know, is another wave of the pandemic going to come through? Don't think so, but I can't lie and say that there isn't that part of my head that's calculating, you know, things when I see reports and look at the news. So, And I think we'll probably always have some ebbs and flow with it, but I don't know that it's going to be as severe as it was. Oh, God, I hope not. It, 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 in 2020, basically. But yeah, no, things have been busy here. We're in the middle of a drought and the heat's been like 105 with like the 100, with the heat index of like 112. So it's been uh, nice and uh, warm here. And then, of course, we're doing a bunch of the well child exams to get kids back ready for school. Yeah. And Did three today. <laughs> getting bus drivers all ready to drive those buses too. So good. Like said, some sense of normalcy to an extent. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to explain that. I've done this before and it feels familiar, but it's been a while. So kind of getting back on that bike. I'm excited though. And I'm uh, 
really proud. You know, I just had another student. Her last day was with me today. And ironically, I did not know what we were going to cover tonight in this episode until you told me. And it's something I actually spoke about today with her. So if you are a student out there, I hope you pay a lot of attention. Ben has got some, you know, he's got a lot of experience and really great insight into this. And I hope people are paying attention. And um, maybe if it doesn't affect you in the way, like maybe a student or a new practitioner, maybe just hearing, you know, this side of the story will maybe open some eyes, maybe shed some light. So yeah, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I really didn't know what we were going to talk about until it just come. Kind of, it had been rolling around in my head for a few weeks and I finally just pulled the trigger and said, let's, we need to talk about this. So we're going to, but we're going to do that after our story that you may have missed that I'm, Probably not a whole lot of people who miss all the time. Apparently you had, which kind of surprised me. What we're going to be talking about tonight is death, you know, and so we're kind of being all jovial and happy now that we probably won't be later just because this isn't really a fun topic per se, but like Tom alluded to, this one's going to be more directed at new practitioners or PA students, NP students, because there are things about death that they don't tell you in school. And we're going to cover that tonight. Correct. And I do want to say, no, I don't know that it'll – I don't think it'll be a totally sad episode, though. I think there is going to be some laughter. I think there is going to be some stuff. If you're looking for a f- – like, hey, I'm having a, a crap day. I want to listen to something to cheer me up. This may or may not be that topic. I don't know. I, but I do feel that we all have our own ways of dealing with that, which is part of what we'll talk about. So, no, it's not going to be – Doom and gloom, but some doom keep, and gloom. keep that in mind. Yeah, there's some doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, it's but not going to be like if, point of like a very special episode or anything like yeah. that. So, I mean, or but if you hear us laughing, don't assume it's something bad. Like just because someone's laughing, but they're talking about death, it's really should be more normal than it is. So let's get to the story we may have missed, Ben, so we can get to the story we just talked about talking about. Right. Well, Tom, this one I'm going to say that we called this to an extent. A couple of years ago, we had Greg on our show, and Greg works in IT and healthcare. And one of the things that we talked about was Amazon was coming up with potentially coming up with an EHR, coming up with some different things. Let's go to the box. Re-recorded by Danny and the Juniors. Amazon, stop. <laughs> Leave that in. That's perfect. That is yeah, so perfect. Word for Alexa in this room. Let me disable that real quick. All right. So, yeah, it, it was listening. See? Uh, so we uh, we talked about this on the show with Greg, that Amazon was trying to step into the healthcare space. And it was announced a couple of days ago that Amazon is looking to acquire the subscription-based healthcare provider One Medical. They said that under the new merger, they plan to improve how patients book appointments and the experience of being seen by a provider. It was July 21st when they announced this. It is a telehealth and primary care service. It's an all-cash deal worth $3.9 billion. It is still waiting regulatory approval, however. One Medical, for those who don't know, it's a membership basis and gives patients 24-7 virtual care via a telehealth app. They also have 188 brick-and-mortar clinics across the United States. Amazon's health services senior vice president, Neil Lindsay, said, quote, healthcare is high on the list of experiences that need reinvention, unquote. 
He was further stated that the merger would improve the healthcare experience with a human-centered and technology-powered approach. For those who don't know, also Amazon has already kind of had some skin in the healthcare game. In 2017, they bought the health food chain Whole Foods. And in 2018, they announced the purchase of PillPack, which is an online pharmacy, which I actually have some patients who use PillPack through Amazon. And it has seemed to have worked pretty well. Some people say that this isn't going to do too much. Some people say that it is. Sebastian Segor, he's the CEO of John Hopkins, says that he believes the acquisition will have little impact. He says there's no reason to believe that Amazon's acquisition of One Medical will have any major impact on healthcare. There are thousands and thousands of healthcare facilities in this country, and there are many other virtual primary providers, such as Eden Health, Heal, and People One. The CEO of Babylon, which is one of One Medical's main competitors, agrees, but he believes the acquisition may promote a ripple effect in how other healthcare providers approach customer care. I thought this was an interesting quote that he had. Amazon has a dreadful reputation for the way it manages its workforce, but has an excellent reputation in the way it focuses on customers. The focus they bring to the customer is going to be very valuable in healthcare. Since we can see a very positive impact because other healthcare providers will think they also need to improve the patient experience. Tom, thoughts? Well, first of all, I think there's too much focus on the customer impact now on how we do our job. So that's not really something I care to hear more about. Not that the patient's not important. It's They're clearly the most important part of the process. However, I feel that we have moved into we are a customer service business versus taking care of patients business. So I actually don't like that if they try and push that. However, to the greater, much larger, much more important issue, I don't know why anyone's shocked. First of all, like you said, we clearly knew the future and we talked about it with Greg. I mean, he was writing our coattails on that the whole time. Clearly, the IT guy was going to us for, you know, knowledge about that topic. But I don't think it's really a shock. I don't think that there's anything that Google, Meta, Amazon, that they're not involved in. So anyone that didn't think that this wasn't going to happen eventually must not have been paying any attention. I am in the, I don't know that it's going to make that huge of an impact. I mean, it's going to be Amazon owning that. They've owned Whole Foods. That played no part of my life whatsoever and remains that way just now. So I, I feel like this is just in our business acquisition. If they come up with something stellar, then I hope we all use it. I hope we all benefit from it. I hope they come up with some kind of EHR that's cutting edge and everybody falls in love with it and every hospital in America goes to it. Sure, I don't care. You know, I just want something that works the way it's supposed to. And if Amazon can deliver that, great. But I, at the end of the day, don't think it's going to be any different. Well, and I think personally, the customer care aspect, I think, could be interesting in that and listen if you listen to like z dog you know he talks about health healthcare 3.0 and getting away from clicking buttons and clicking boxes and getting back to treating the patients and you know so that's one of the things where like i don't take my computer in the room with me because i feel like there's that divide now so i i would leave my my computer in my office and go in and talk to the patient so i think there are some aspects that it could certainly be beneficial. I think the negative aspect like that you were referring to is more when reimbursement is tied to how happy the customer is. Yeah, you're going to have Remember, problems. there's a subset of patients who are going to be pissed no matter what you do. 
because you're not giving them exactly what they want, whether it's hydrocodone or a CAT scan or whatever it is. There are good aspects to it, I think, or uh, accessibility for the patient. So like, let's say now the patient can pay their bill by putting their thumb on their phone or going through an app and it makes their life better. If that's the type of stuff that Amazon brings to it, which is that's what I would anticipate, accessibility. Yeah. Is what they're going to actually innovate in. You know, patients can log their own, you know, appointment through an app and it just goes to our scheduler and bam, now I just have somebody. Like those things are things I think Amazon not only can do, would do, and probably do well. Let's just see what happens though. I'm with you. That's the problem is we could all be full of shit. None of this could happen. They could just work people to death like they do, you know, in other ways. And yeah, it could just be like just another hospital, just as Amazon on the side now. Who knows? So, well, Tom, I think in this one, what we will do is I think we'll just we will continue to monitor. And speaking of we'll continue to monitor, I want to do our social media shout outs. We've not done that for several months, I don't think. And so you know, I kind of <laughs> maybe just, people don't know. Yeah, maybe they don't <laughs> yeah. know. But you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. All at Just Some Podcast. Our website's www.justsomepodcast.com. Our email, jsv at justsomepodcast.com. Also, we have several other great shows under the JSP Media umbrella. We have will continue to monitor, which is where I threw that segue in. That's our creepy mystery weird yeah. show that Tom and I host where we talk about all kinds of stuff that will kind of make you go, hmm. Yeah, like if you've ever watched a TV show about like a murder and you're like, well, how'd they get away with it? Well, not only do we talk about the murder, we talk about how they figured it out or how they got away with it. So if that's the type of thing that sounds good to you or we cover eerie phenomenon, like, you know, things that fell from the sky, how do we think they got there? How did it affect people's health? So it's not just one aspect, but if you liked Unsolved Mysteries plus House plus Paw Patrol, I don't know, throw in another show, okay, that's we'll continue to monitor. We also have Buried Pleasures with Folly and Amazing where she talks about all kinds of risque and interesting topics. We need to have her back on the show again sometime soon. We do. And so last and certainly not least of our plethora of shows that we have is the now Today Show famous Nurse Papa. Because he was on the Today Show talking about his book, talking about his podcast. He's dispensing wonderful parenting advice over there and just relating stories of how parenting and his career in oncology coexist. He's a great guy, even though he does have circus clown small hands and plays a ukulele. But, you know, really, other than that, he's a decent, almost sometimes funny guy. And I'm really glad that we decided to allow him, really, to be part of just a podcast media. Oh, David, we love you. On that note, let's take a break. On the other side of the break, we'll get into our main topic. Tom, how's that? Lipman 3M Core Digital Sets Cup treating you. It is fantastic. I, again, led a student. It wasn't even my student. It was like a student was tagging along with me for a little bit and just let them use it. And in that short period of time, they've already texted me and said, how do I get one of those? So, again, the proof has always been in the pudding for me. And if you put this thing on and you hear it, and the difference it makes, I really don't think there's any comparison. I uh, would agree with you. It's amazing. One of the things that I like, because and I don't know if maybe in my truck, because I had to do some work at another clinic, if something got bumped on my Echo or whatever, but I just didn't have as crisp and loud a sound as I, I needed. 
it has the little volume buttons right on it, right there on your stethoscope. So just an easy bump up a couple of notches, and I was right back to where I needed to be. Hearing heart sounds. I love the noise cancellation, 40 time amplification. It, it truly is a wonderful piece of equipment that once you use it once, you're going to want to use it every single time. If you want to find out more, go to echohealth.com. It's ekohealth.com. Use code JSP. It gives you $50 off your order and let them know that we sent you. I want to talk about our next sponsor, especially for just a second. And I didn't tell you, so that's why he's got a worried look on his face, if you guys could just see it. So, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse, I got the pretty significant eye injury. And what came along with that is I cannot take anything, well, no insets for pain. And as we've talked about on the show, we did a whole episode. I have gout. Well, you know, because I wasn't having a good enough time not being able to see out of my left eye and still can, you know, dealing with, I may lose it. Like people don't seem to realize the first couple of weeks, it was still, hey, you could still lose your eye. Like not just your vision. We could take your eyeball out of your head. And so I was a little freaked out and bleeding was a significant problem. And I could not take insets. And as I just alluded to, I have gout. So let's put two and two together. I got a gout flare-up. What's the number one thing you take for a gout flare-up, Ben? Insets. Yes. So here I am in excruciating pain, and I cannot take any insets. And I was waiting to get a hold of someone because the next thing is steroids that I could take. The only thing I had for about 24 hours was CBD stat products. And I just want to say specifically from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Now, was I still in a lot of pain? Yes. But the ability to bear the amount of pain I was in, I truly believe was significantly, you know, contributed to by CBD stat. Like their products really helped me bridge that gap. And so from a heartfelt thank you from the bottom of my heart, I knew I wanted to do this on the show and just say thank you to your company and Ben's going to tell you the important stuff but really it meant a lot to me to like and I know I say this stuff all the time but I'm telling you I just went through this and it was and if you've never had gout it I try and tell people is every time you take a step hit your affected area with a hammer as hard as you can like so let's say you think it's your big toe hit your hammer bam crush your big toe now take a step do it again that's what gout feels like and so to be able to actually be able to sit down and not cry from being in pain was significant. So thank you, CBD Stat. Well, I don't really got nothing else to say other than I'm going to give you all the information that you need for it. So if you're in healthcare, they love their healthcare people. They're going to give you a permanent 40% discount. That's a permanent 40% off. You just go to cbdstat.care slash healthcare. You fill that form out and they're going to give you that 40% discount permanently. But they know that some of our listeners are not in healthcare and they want to help you out too just because you listen to our voices. So you go to cbdstat.care, put everything in your shop cart that you need. You go to the checkout, you put in code JSP20. That's JSP20. They're going to give you 20% off just because you're listening to our voice right now. That is cbdstat.care. Well, Tom, now that we got paying the bills out of the way, you and I talked a little bit before I pushed record. You know, lots of times we have... We're obviously a very unscripted show that's been since day one, but we kind of have a format or we have an idea of where the conversation is going to go to an extent, particularly when we have a guest. But this is one of those shows where we're just going to push record and we're going to have a conversation about the way we deal with death. 
I don't know how long this conversation is going to go. It may go five minutes and we're done. It may go four and a half hours, although I hope not. I think it's going to go four and a half hours. I'll go ahead and guarantee you that one. (laughs) Not four and a half. But yeah, I get what it could be a long conversation. I get you. Or it could be a very short one. I don't know. What I want, the first thing I want to stress, and then we'll get into some stories and we'll get into some stuff. If you are a student, NP student, nursing student, PA student, a brand new practitioner, what they don't tell you, and I alluded to this before our story, what they don't tell you in school is that death is so different when you're the provider. And I don't mean every single death. You know, I have patients who the family calls and says, hey, you know, Joe passed away in his sleep last night. You know, we, when we hear about deaths from our patient base, my office is starts sending out condolence cards to families. I'm not talking about those. Well, the deaths that I'm talking about are the deaths where you go, what, either what did I miss or what happened? It's more the deaths that, that shock you. And being an ER nurse, I dealt with death for years. And I can tell you, it is so drastically different when you go from nurse to provider. And some of the shit I'm going to say may not be politically correct. I'm telling you how I dealt with stuff. I'm not telling you this is the way you need to do it by any means. But as a nurse, in the ER, we'd have a patient die. I could somewhat rationalize it. And that was how I dealt with it. It was like, well, this happened or something happened, whatever the case may be. Or, I'm, you know, even there was never that sense of urgency of what did I miss or did I not do something right or did I overlook something or whatever the case may be. Whereas as a provider, that buck stops with you. And that's, that's where it changes significantly. And they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. And first of all, I remember the first time I saw my signature on anything and I realized, holy crap, like that's my signature. Like I am now wholly and totally responsible for whatever happens from this point forwards involving this matter. And that is, it should be sobering to every person that's not only doing this, but, or even considering it. The other thing though, Ben, and while that's a significant one, and that's something definitely we're going to be a large factor in this conversation. I also look at it again, ICU, ER, bedside. I think that there is a sense of closure you get when you are hands-on in a person's death. I did your CPR. I started your IV. I put in your Foley, et cetera. That when you pass away, there's that part of me that knows I did it. Like you may, I may have lost this battle, but I have not lost my war. Like I am still, I still have something to do. When you are the provider, it is chess. It's a game of fighting versus when you're bedside, you're actually touching, you know, the patient. I mean, not that we don't, but what I'm saying is in that moment. And I think mentally it is a bigger gymnastic to go through those flips when 
I almost feel like I have a, I don't get that closure with the, these cases. Like you said, there are the patients and I do feel for all my patients that pass away, but I'm talking that 10% where you're like, wait a minute. I feel like, I feel in my gut, like something's different for me. That's part of my problem. That's part of what I wrestle with is that I couldn't actually participate in trying to save them. And I, I don't know as a bedside nurse that always gave me comfort that I don't receive some sort of tactile gratification, which sounds terrible, but that's truly what it is that I don't get as a provider and that I find out later. And then my brain just starts reeling because I'm having to process this from this information outside of the sphere versus when you're in the ER and you're working a trauma, the only sphere that matters in the entire world is the one you're in. And then when you're a provider, you disassociate from your patient at the physical level for the most part. And so I think that's honestly part of the mental problem I had to deal with going from that bedside to provider was, wait, wait, wait. Like, I feel like I left something out inherently, and it makes me feel worse about how I proceed from that point forwards. Which makes sense, because I think when you're hands-on bedside, you can tell yourself, I did chest compressions for 45 minutes or, or whatever you you feel like you literally did every thing you could humanly yeah to save that patient whereas as a provider when you're not in the ER and they're not you know when they're coding or whatever and it's a phone call or it's you hear about it later you don't have that i did everything i could it's did i miss something yeah you know while you're saying you said the word as as humanly as possible, and I think we've actually even talked about it on the air, but I just remember a trauma in particular that I was at bedside. I literally had units of blood in my hands, squeezing. Okay, so and I know a lot of people are going, "Why weren't you using the level one infuser?" Because it wasn't in my trauma room at the time. Okay, jerk. Was so I wasn't doing it for fun. All right, because for those that have never tried to squeeze a unit of blood into a person, especially when they have almost no vascular system going because it's by uh, compression, it's hard. And after a couple of units and. That second one, I'm going to generously say I got most of it in, but I did what I could. I physically couldn't use my hands. But there was no part of me that felt bad about anything that I did because I'm telling you, there was not physically anything more I could have done. I started IVs. I did all the stuff. I squeezed blood into a human being. There was nothing left versus I, – I mean everyone's got one case in particular I think or I feel like that sticks in their head. Maybe it's the first time that sticks the most as a provider. I don't have that sense with that patient. Right. I wasn't there. So yeah, that that physical need to be part of it, I think is something that I don't know that we ever recognize usually. Well, and I can vividly remember when this hit me as a provider. And I ended up texting one of my instructors and said in, in not so nice language basically why the fuck don't you teach this in school because i was beating myself up you get to a point sometimes where you question not only that patient but then it becomes you almost it almost becomes reactive medicine you can't practice that way i can't you can't practice to an extent of every patient is going to die 
if I miss one thing or you can't do that. Otherwise you're doing $40,000 workups for, for an ingrown toenail. Yeah. That you, yeah. It just isn't feasible. It not only is it not feasible, it's not fair to the patient. It's not fair to the healthcare system. It's not fair to yourself. There's a lot of factors going into it. And let's be real honest, okay? The human body is actually most of the time very robust, okay? Let's be frank. If you miss something, even if it's a moderate, most of the time to major mistake, they are not going to die. There can be patient harm. There are going to be repercussions. I did not say you were going to get away with everything, okay? What I said was, is you are not likely to cause a death by a single facet. Now, granted, there are always cases, and I am not going to lay out any absolutes. Well, if it is an absolute, I guess I'll say it, but none of these are absolutes. But by and large, you are going to miss things, and they are not going to cause death to your patients. So do not create that pocket that Ben just talked about where you're like, well, every patient has to have this. Well, every freckle now is melanoma. It's not. And while I also think, and let's talk about this though, do not brush mistakes off though. Okay. Oh, absolutely. If you do. Yeah. Well, well, again, I'm talking to the newbies here, Ben, No, uh, yeah. you know, but I'm just saying that doesn't mean if you miss, like, let's find something I, you know, oh gosh, I don't know. A basal cell carcinoma. Well, that doesn't mean every time you see one now, you just go, oh, it's not that big a deal or you don't pay attention because guess what? That's how you do make the big mistakes that do end up costing, you know, significant injury or stuff like that. You do need to take them serious. But the difference being is that if you don't take something serious, you tend to make mistakes over and over and over. That's where the injuries come by and large. Yeah, you need to learn missing one thing is a significant issue, but it's a singular event. Like you need to learn from it and move on. It's when you don't take things serious or you allow this insidious type of thinking that Ben's talking about to invade how you practice. That's when you're going to create problems. I had fallen down that trap, even for just a weekend. I had honestly had fallen down that trap because oh yeah, my experience, and I'm going to call this patient. Steve was not her name. I assure you, I vividly remember her name. Obviously, I'm not going to use that. Mid twenties had come in for checkup. Was you know, in college things were good. She was getting ready to graduate. Thought maybe she was just stressed out, dealing with stuff. So we did blood work and stuff. Family called and said, you know, well, blood work looked decent, not a big deal. In my head, I told myself, well, you know what? I should probably get an EKG in Asano just because of some of the symptoms that she was reporting. And family was like, well, you know, it's probably just stress. Let's just not worry about that right now. Okay. I mean, you know, that you're right. And then I got a phone call at 10 o'clock one night that Steve had collapsed. And I uh, told him, I said, well, call me when you know something. And initially you think, okay, Steve's in their mid-20s. Even mid-20s is a collapse. Usually it's not a sentinel event or a fatal event. I ended up waiting up till 2 a.m. and never heard back. So I finally went to sleep and I got a, I had a message on my phone when I woke up 
They had been sent at about 6 a.m. from the family. They said, call me when you get this. And I just, I instantly knew. And had collapsed and never got a heartbeat back. <clears throat> Obviously, it's still hard for me to talk about <laughs> um, just because it's, it weighs on you. And so I beat myself up horribly for, you know, I said a weekend, but I mean, it was probably weeks that I just, what I miss, what I miss, what I miss. I should have, to the point that I was like, I should have made them do that echo and that EKG. You know, I should have forced that issue. Not that you could have, but I mean, so you tell yourself because you're like, you know, <clears throat> and at the time I was moonlighting in an ER and I was working that weekend and had a pregnant patient come in that had fallen and couldn't remember if she basically wasn't sure if she hit her head or not. And I got into a argument with CAT scan because I said, I, I want her head CAT scanned. And they're like, well, she's pregnant. And I said, I don't care. Cause in my head, I'm like, she's pregnant. If she hit her head, she has a brain bleed. She's going to die. I need to get that cast in. And they're like, well, but she's pregnant. And I said, I don't uh, to the point that I said, well, then I will chart that you were refusing an order, which then that will grab attention. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she said, well, let me talk to my boss. And so it, it, after I had gotten off the phone with them, I finally kind of was like, I brought myself down this rabbit hole of, every patient is going to be Steve if I don't do every single thing. And I realized that I couldn't do that. And I actually called her back and apologized for that because, and, and the patient was, the pregnant patient was fine. But that was the night that I had texted my instructor. And I'm like, why don't you teach this? Because I was just, there's just something inherently different about when you're the one who's responsible for ordering tests, interpreting tests, ordering the correct medication, whatever is ultimately done there, that doesn't fall on your nurse. That doesn't fall on your MA. That falls on you. And come to find out, Steve had a rare condition that basically caused seizures when they just, nobody knew it. And that was ultimately what it was. Honestly, had I done the echo in the EKG, it wouldn't have changed a damn thing. But that weekend that I was beating myself up, we have a mutual colleague who has wanted to remain anonymous, but I'm not going to let him remain anonymous anymore. He sent me a message and he says, you know, and I told this story, I think, on this show, and I know I told it on Kevin's there's three patients in the there's three types of patients in the world. The first type are going to die no matter what you do. The second type are going to be fine no matter what you do. The third type are the ones that you can genuinely help. And those are the ones that you need to focus on. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like it made so much sense at the time to the point that I still hold on to that advice in my practice now. And I still pass that on to students because it's true. Like Tom said, 
most patients are going to be fine, even if you miss one little thing. There are going to be patients out there that are going to die no matter what you do. But it's that third type are the patients that you can genuinely help, and those are the ones you need to focus on. And I'll let Ben take care of naming people if he decides to name people. But I also took that advice to heart. Again, police officer, ICU, ER, death was nothing new to me. But as Ben has said multiple times, and I'm sure you've listened and you're getting the point, is when you are responsible for that person's health, their death is now your responsibility as well. And I would say I the case in my mind that stands out the most is actually similar in the fact that it was something that I ran all the tests. I did do all the tests. That's a different signifier between Ben and I's story is I did the test and they didn't show anything. And so when there was the event and here it was very close to the time I had seen her. So there was a that there was that automatic correlation. Wait a second, this person just had this event. Yeah. It was a very large pucker factor. And while I feel confident in my abilities as a practitioner, there is no amount of preparation that gets you ready for this. And I guess that's why we want to do this episode is because nobody else is getting you or attempting to get you prepared for these episodes. Because that's what I'm trying to tell you is Ben beat himself up and said he should have done it, even though what's the reality? It would it would there would have been no difference. Right. And that's the lesson he had to learn. And I had to learn I did do all the tests and it still happened. And it will continue and so, to happen. I mean, so then it will continue to happen. Yeah, and it, oh, it will continue often, but I mean <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I would not say often, but yeah, like no, if it's often, time to switch jobs. But you know, this is the thing that me and the other NPs in the office, we have these discussions everyone's all like, well, how are you doing? Like, if that happened to them, or you know, how would you handle the situation? And we have these discussions, and I think having these talks with your peers and your colleagues. First of all, we'll give you a lot of insight because they've been through it. You know, this is not a situation where you have to invent the wheel. Okay. It's there. Please, you know, talk to the people that have been through it. Let them be your Virgil, you know, let them guide you through the dark, you know, and let them help you through this because it is going to be a dark time. I have an NP. She's a friend of mine. She's one of the strongest people I know. And I'll tell you right now, she could try and tell me she didn't, wasn't close to cracking, you know, in a situation like this, but I know. And so, I, I think for the health of us as a profession, this is something that we should be addressing. We should be talking about, you know, how we deal with it and for both the legal protection, because that may be an issue you have to deal with, but to the ethical protection of not running every test on every patient in the world, because now you want to protect yourself to the self-protection, like this is going to happen. And I guess that's ultimately what I want to get across is if you're listening to this and you are a student, a, protect, a new practitioner, an old practitioner, whatever, this is going to happen to you. It is going to happen to you. Now, directly or indirectly, I, I don't know. I don't know what everybody's position is. But you will be involved in a case where something like this will mentally impact you. And you really have to start making decisions about what you want to go forward with. And I think that's where Ben's story plays the biggest part is that plan moving forwards. Because now you know, I've been through a death and I survived it. 
And I know that sounds callous, like I'm saying something about how they didn't survive it, but that's not what I mean. I mean, you have to tell yourself, I got through this. This is the worst thing I'm going to deal with. And I still made it. And if I can make it through that, it's time to get back to business. You know, I, I tell students all the time if they have something, I don't know what it is about students. I tell all of mine repeatedly, you're here to learn. Mistakes are okay. Stupid mistakes are different. I'll smack you on the hand, okay? But I expect you to make mistakes. That's why you're here. And so learning is something I think we can all do a better job of at this point. And educating ourselves about how to care for ourselves and that we will get through this and that it's going to happen. And I think if you can keep that in mind, then you're going to do just fine. It's the people that tell themselves that there's nothing wrong or that everything's wrong are the ones that are eventually going to cause issues. And I think this time I was really put, and I kind of want to stress again, lean on your support system, lean on your colleagues. I did because either they've been through there, but they've been through like Tom said, or they can at least be your sounding board. I don't know how many times Tom and I have called each other and said, Hey, talking off a ledge, (laughs) just that, or, Hey, so I had this happen. I did this and this. Would you have done anything different? It's something as simple as I saw this patient. I gave him this antibiotic or I just ask, what would you have done? And when he says, oh, I gave him doxycycline and I gave him doxycycline, it's like instant gratification. You know, like, oh, okay, Yeah, like I see I'm obviously smart because another smart person said that to me versus if he would have said amoxicillin, like, clearly you're wrong, Ben. But anyways, that's not the point. We have that rapport, and I have that rapport with many other colleagues, and you probably do too. And they have been through something similar. That is one of the nice things about our field is whether you're a PA, a nurse practitioner, a physician, a nurse, an MA, whatever, there are other MAs. There are other nurses. You know, we all came up. And if you're an MP, you did time as a nurse. Well, you should have done time as a nurse before you became an MP. So we have that common bond. So use it. You know, we are supposed to be using our knowledge collectively anyways. So why not? And it's almost like there's a taboo to talk about death, but there shouldn't be. And I think that's one of the things I wish was more normal. Either we'll get figured out or we won't. (laughs) I think that is maybe one thing the physicians do better than we do, Tom. I'm not saying the only thing. I'm just saying that this is one thing they definitely do better is because they have like the morbidity and mortality, like M&M conferences where they cover things like this. Maybe that's something that needs to be done on a more regular basis in NPs and PAs. And it may not even be like a weekly thing like it is on with some larger hospitals, but I mean, even just something where you're sitting down with colleagues and they're covering a case and you hear those viewpoints of what was, what could have been done differently or not anything could have been done differently. So I, I'm going to 100% agree with you. This is one of the things I think physicians at every level have not only done better than us, but by a lot. And not only are they having these conferences and they're having these open discussions, but they're frank and they are pointed. If you make a big mistake and everyone is like, whoa, 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 you know, you used 4-O-Ethylon suture. Everybody knows you're supposed to use 5. They call them out on it and they say – you are a physician. We expect you to act at this level. 
And honestly, I think PAs and MPs, we need to accept that model into our learning environment. I'm not saying take over it, but I think there needs to be some more possible, hey, what did you do? Can you explain what you did, how you got there so that we can fix that problem? I think that would be a very real and a very helpful tool if we would just incorporate it more into our education. And lastly, I just want to stress mental health is health. And so if you're beating yourself up and if, you know, go, if you need a counselor, if you need whatever, please take advantage of those programs that are available because ultimately in order to take care of other people, you need to be able to take care of yourself too. And beating yourself up to the point of alcoholism or ordering $40,000 test for a broken toe is not going to be good. It's not a good way to adequately handle the stress of what you're dealing with. I will tell you from personal experience prior to healthcare, the answer you're looking for in that bottle is not there. And I assure you that most of the time, what you find is more problems, okay? Some of us get through those periods in our life relatively unscathed. I am pretty lucky, okay? There was a period of time where I made the conscious decision, I am drinking too much. I am trying to drown my emotions. And when you're doing it enough, you realize it, that's bottom, okay? That's when you've, well, maybe that's not bottom for everybody. That was bottom for me in my scenario where I hadn't caused damage to those around me, but I knew I was now causing it to myself. And again, I had to learn from it. I did learn from it. Okay. So I'm trying to impart that knowledge to you and I promise you it's okay to get drunk. Okay. I'm not going to tell you not to get fucking get drunk, man, but there is a huge difference between I got drunk and I drowned my sorrows, but today I, you know, strapped my boots on and I got back to work. That's one attitude. Unfortunately for some of us for a short period of time, it just becomes, well, one drink's good, then two drinks is better and four drinks means I don't have to hear the voice in my head. And that's when it's a problem. That's a problem. So reach out there. Ben said it. We said it a million times on the show. Mental health is health. And I don't know that I really have anything else to talk about tonight on the topic, Ben, but I'm really glad that we did. I don't either. Other than I want to end. So it sounds like we're obviously wrapping up. I want to end with the wise words of Dwight Schrute. There was an episode where he was trying to teach Ryan lessons in salesmanship and they didn't land the sale. And so they were walking out of the building and Ryan says, I don't get it. I don't get what I did wrong. And Dwight says, not everything's a lesson, Ryan. Sometimes you just fail. Boom. We don't want to fail in healthcare, but there are going to be patients that, like I said, it goes back to the three patients, man. You know, focus on the ones that you can help, focus on the ones that you can do stuff with, and you can make a big difference in their lives. Try not to beat yourself up over the ones that you're going to lose no matter what. On that note, Tom, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No. I was going to say something funny. And tonight you can see me at the improv on 50th Street. Yeah. Like, something like that. No, I, I'm glad we did the episode. I truly, honestly hope you guys take what we were trying to do to heart. I know sometimes we rambled a little bit, but that's sometimes part of the show. If you listen to it, you know it. But more, but most importantly, there is knowledge here. We are 
not just talking this time to talk like we can sometimes do on the show. This was a serious, if we were sitting here, I'd be staring in the eyeball trying to impart some knowledge to your soul type, you know, talk. Yeah. I don't know that you need to take it that serious, but it certainly is a, a subject matter that we do need to cover, not maybe on the show so much, but as a profession. And I hope if you have a question, you reach out to us or you reach out to your colleagues, you know, that's part of this process. So absolutely, do something. And when the subject comes up, you'll know it. And I hope you take the appropriate action. So there you go. And, you know, if it, flag this episode if you need to and go back and listen to it whenever that moment hits you. But on that note, wash your hands, take care of yourself, including your mental health. Have a great week. Hey, everybody. Stay safe out there. Practice swearing just to pass the time. Lately, I see why I am alone. I caught some road bridge and I thought of you. And all the many times you say I should have known. Took a press so I could find my cheek. Without you